I'm very excited about this morning's message because we're going to be getting into uh, what is known as the day of the Lord here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Now, if you guys recall back, uh, it's the same subject that we were looking at in chapter 4, the day of the Lord, the persuade in Greek, okay, or the coming of the Lord. But there's a different perspective here as we get into chapter 5. And I think, how many of you guys know this about the Bible? Right now we're in chapter 5. When they wrote the Bible, they didn't put in chapters and verses. How many of you guys know that? So this is one letter. So somebody got together and they decided where to make some chapter breaks. This is a bad chapter break. I wish we could have just kept flowing with what Paul was laying down here for the church in Thessalonica. But everybody, when it comes to knowing the, you know, when the day of the Lord is going to take place, we all want to know what time, how does that look? What's the time frame of that? We want to set a date on our calendar. Does any of you guys know when the Lord's coming back? Please raise your hand. Okay, good. Okay, some people believe they do. There's a lot of people throughout history that have set dates. And every time somebody sets a date, we can say, you are a false prophet. You guys know why? Because nobody knows the day or the other hour except for the Father, right? So maybe it's best, okay, if we every day would wake up, go to our calendar, and just circle today. It might be today. Do you guys live in that reality? The Lord might come back for us today. Wouldn't that be really cool if he came back right now as we're talking about this? Woohoo! What was the last thing you were doing on planet Earth? We were talking about the Lord coming, and he came. I mean, that has to be so cool, right? So the disciples, they wanted to know um, the time. Um, oh, boy. I don't have the verse there. I'm just going to read it for you guys. Uh, In Acts chapter 1, I want to read to you guys. You can listen carefully. This is what the disciples were asking. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus. Okay, this was after his death on the cross, burial, resurrection from the dead. He's about to ascend into heaven. So the disciples are now there with him. And they asked him saying, Lord, will you at this time, now that you've overcome the grave, sin, death, You are risen from the dead, Jesus, okay? No one can argue now, okay? You backed up every claim you've made. You are truly God. At this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. So disciple of Jesus Christ, it's not for you to know. The Father knows, and are you okay with that? I'm okay with that. So Jesus here couldn't give them any more light on the situation, and Paul, who wrote the letter to the Thessalonians, couldn't either. So two wrong attitudes towards the coming day of the Lord, okay? A feverish expectation. Look back in chapter 4, verse 11. Okay, these guys, what happens, it'll lead to fantasism, okay? They confused the truth with um, some fantastic creations of fancy. And that's what they were doing there. So that leads us to a cold indifference or a careless neglect, which encourage us just to live a life of worldliness, right? Who cares? The Lord's coming back. Let's get a bunch of credit cards and buy whatever we want. The Lord's coming back, right? 
And there's actually people who've done that. It's that sensual indulgence. That's what that type of thinking will lead to. So here's what no one today wants to admit. God sees mankind's sin and rebellion. God sees it. God sees the blatant disregard for his word. God sees mankind's naughty arrogance. God sees our militant secularism. God also sees our our shameless perversions. And I want you guys to trust me on this, okay? And it's not because of me. It's because of what God declares here. God isn't going to sit silent forever. Do you guys know that? He is going to come back, and he's going to see to it that a day of reckoning is on the horizon. And that's what we see here today. That's what Paul is speaking to here. So Paul will appeal to what they already know in verse 2. So let's take a look at the first three verses here. The day of the Lord. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety and sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So the day of the Lord. Do you guys see that here? The day of the Lord. Okay. The day God came back. That's what it's referring to. It's not a 24-hour day. Okay. Uh, I kind of look at this. If we had book ends for the day of the Lord, We'd have the rapture of the church at the start and then the new heaven, the new earth, the grand finale at the end. Does that make sense? Okay. And then in here, in between, well, we studied this last year. We went through Revelation together. We see the marriage supper of the Lamb take place during that time. We see the rise of the Antichrist, that seven-year period of the Great Tribulation takes place the battle of armageddon the coming of christ and all his power and glory the salvation of israel is going to happen the judgment of the nations is going to take place the millennial reign of christ 1000 years here on earth the battle of magog the universal inferno and the great white throne judgment and the list goes on but this is all referring to the day of the lord when he returns. So the preceding included the day of the Lord, and it covers a time frame of a little over 1,000 years. So it's not a 24-hour day. The day of the Lord is just over 1,000 years when he returns and does what he does. So the day of the Lord received much discussion in the Old Testament. If you guys study the scriptures, it's often referred to as that day. You guys ever catch that? What are they talking about that day for again? Well, it's talking about the day of the Lord. So the Jews, um, to the Jew, this is really divided into two ages. That's how they understand this. They look at the present age as being um, incurably bad. And then they look at an age to come, the day of the Lord, when God returns, that's going to be the golden age. So in between, there was the day of the Lord, which would be a terrible day. It was the destroying of one world and making another. So it is both a day of judgment and a day of blessing. Do you guys see that? That's the day of the Lord. (laughs) For us as believers, it's a good thing. 
for this world that's rejected him, it's not going to be a good day for them. So judgment, why? Because the world's full of sin. Does anybody else see that? Or am I the only one? Right? You don't have to look far. It's everywhere. Um, we're <laughs> yeah. Do you guys ever apologize for how rebellious we are? I'd encourage you guys to check out Daniel chapter 9. One thing I really appreciate about Daniel is how he prayed while he was in Babylon. We read of him. He was a pretty righteous dude, wasn't he? <laughs> Nothing bad is said about the guy. But he had such a burden and a heart you know, for the people that he was crying out to God for mercy. I'm so sorry that we <laughs> have sinned against you. You know, he was just crying out on behalf of of the Babylonian people and in his own people, Israel. Okay, and that's one of those things, guys. Um, we may know the truth, we may choose to walk in the truth, but I share that burden. My heart grieves when I live among a people that just continually rebel against God. You know, why? Because we are all part of it. You guys understand, we're all part of humankind, we're all involved here. So, the reality of judgment coming, okay, it's gonna come because we have rebelled against God. And specifically, it's going to be those during that tribulation period of time, that seven years, when they rebel against the Lord. God gives opportunity, chance after chance, to, re, you know, to repent, to turn back to him during that seven-year great tribulation period of time. But they don't, okay? They don't do that. And then a blessing on the earth while they enjoy the personal reign of Christ during the millennium. So the day of the Lord speaks to all of this, the tribulation and when Christ is actually sitting and ruling here on planet earth um, during the millennium. So here Paul doesn't discuss the whole day of the Lord, um, but just it's coming. That's what he's pointing to here in putting an emphasis upon or when it comes. So some characteristics of the day. Check this out, guys. Um, as a thief in the night. That's how this day is going to come. You guys have all seen the stealth bomber, right? Pretty cool looking plane, a little bit different design than a normal aircraft. The design, of course, allows them to approach in stealth. Quickly, unexpectedly, it will come without any warning. Okay, it can fly at low altitudes and it has a unique body design that the radars, it can't even pick it up. So it's kind of cool when you think about the Lord coming as a thief in the night. We're not going to see it coming. And you're like, whoa, you're here. Okay, That's what it's speaking about here as a thief in the night. You guys can also jot down Matthew chapter 24, verse 43. But know this, Jesus is saying. And I would encourage you guys, if this is new to you, as we consider the return of Jesus, Spend some time in Matthew 24 because it is Jesus speaking and he lays out what's going to be going on on planet Earth, okay, when he comes. Again, we don't know the day or the hour, but Jesus said, I will let you know the times and the seasons. There will be some very unique things going on that have not happened previously in history, okay? And all those unique things are taking place. We can look. In the last hundred years, there are things going on that have not always gone on. So we see, hey, times and seasons, obviously these things are beginning. We see them happening around us. So check out Matthew 24. But Jesus says, but this, or know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, 
he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Wouldn't you guys do the same? If we knew. But the Lord's going to come as a thief in the night. We don't know when he's coming. You guys are in Revelation chapter 3 tonight. In verse 3, you guys remember the letter to Philadelphia? Jesus said, Remember therefore how you received and heard. Hold fast and repent. Therefore, if you will not watch, I will come upon you as a thief, and you will not know the hour I will come upon you. Okay? And then Paul goes on to talk about peace and safety here. I will come when life is moving along normally. Okay? Have things been normal lately? Not really. Okay? To be honest, this is the first time in my lifetime where I've kind of felt like, well, Lord, I live in this earnest expectation that you could come back at any time. And I still do, okay? But honestly, a global pandemic going on, and for me as an American, just things going on in my own homeland, things haven't been normal lately. <laughs> That's just part of it. So when I read the scripture, I'm just, well, things aren't that normal, okay? People even getting married, as you said, would just be taking place and life would go on as normal, Man, that's hard to do. I know people have put off getting married for a whole nother year because of what things are going on right now. So I've kind of had in my head, Lord, are you doing something unique right now? Is the ground being tilled in such a way right now? Because it isn't normal. Okay, there are, th are, are you preparing a revival? That's what I'm really praying into and hoping for. Okay, because God loves us. Despite us, he loves us. Do you guys get that? I don't understand why his grace found me. Do you guys ever sit up late at night and wondering, like, why am I saved? I'm nothing special. I'm wicked. I'm evil. I'm sinful. And yet you loved me enough to save me, to die for me. And I know I'm not better than anybody else. I know his grace is for all people. He desires none to perish. That's what the scriptures tell us. And I'm looking at all the crazy that we've been going through this last year. And I'm wondering, are hearts being tilled up? Are we going to have a harvest take place? God, will you move, please, in such a way? Would you break us good that we will finally humble ourselves and bow our knee to you as Savior? I believe God can do that. I know he wants to do that. But are we finally going to be in a place to be broken enough? Because God won't resist the broken. You guys know that? Man, when we humble ourselves, that's when we can find his grace. And mankind, man, we need to get over ourselves. I don't know if you guys see that. We are so full of ourselves. We need to get over ourselves and look to our creator. So, yeah. Church of Philadelphia, I like them. Do we talk about peace and safety? Hey, that's what we're talking about now. Let's turn to Luke chapter 17 together. Jesus says something really cool in Luke 17 in regards to life just moving along as normal. Luke 17, let's jump down to verse 26 together. Jesus used the same illustration here in verse 26, and he said, And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. 
They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, verse 28, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So life going on is normal. Eating, drinking, being married, building, buying. Before ruin. Before ruin, the rapture is going to happen. Are you rapture ready, guys? Have you put your faith in Christ? You see, Noah and Lot, they were considered righteous men because of their faith in God. And before the wrath of God, judgment of God came, didn't God pull those men out? That's what's going to happen with us as the church. Not because of our righteousness, but because of who we are. We are in Christ. He is our righteousness. God sees us as righteous because of Jesus. So, the lost world will get caught up in a time when they feel secure. Okay, I would love to say that's us right now. I don't know if you guys understand the reality of COVID and what it's having on the world. Do you guys know, what did we read last night? Over 100 million more families facing starvation just because of the pandemic. 100 million guys. Yeah, we're still floating our bills and using our credit cards and we're celebrating Christmas and still buying gifts for everybody where people are losing their livelihood and facing starvation for the first time. Okay? It's very easy to make everything about us here in America but the word of God is for all people, all places. This isn't normal. This isn't good. And yet, we in America, we seem to be naive to what's really going on. And I think we need to repent. We need to open our eyes. We need to love like Jesus has asked us to love. I love the exhortation. How many guys enjoyed our brother Tom last week bringing forth the word about the Good Samaritan? I was challenged. <laughs> I want to make my little security, my family, my house, my thing. This is my safe place. <laughs> I'm willing to serve you, Lord. I'm willing to do whatever, you know. But you really are asking everything of us. And that's convicting for me, guys. Every part of my life. Why? Because it's all his anyways. I'm his. He's the one that gets to call the shots. Am I just going to do what he asks to do? He's my God. I love him. And I want to honor him. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, check this out. He also talks about sudden destruction here. Um, you guys can jot down. I'll throw them up here. Joel chapter 1, verse 15. The prophet said this, Alas, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and it shall come as destruction from the Almighty. So referring back here to the day of the Lord, and then later in chapter 2, verse 11, he said, For the day of the Lord is great and very terrible. Who can endure it? Okay? Again, for some, the return of God is not a blessing. Okay? 
It's not a good thing. Judgment will come. And then the prophet Isaiah in chapter 13, verse 6 said, Wail for the day of the Lord is at hand and it comes as destruction from Almighty. And then verse 9 of that chapter says, Behold, the day of the Lord comes cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate and he will destroy its sinners from it. And some of you guys might be like, really? (laughs) God's really going to come and pour out his wrath, his judgment. It's coming. Would a loving God really do that? Yeah. He's a just God also. And it's because he's loving, we live in this time of grace. He gives every person an opportunity to repent, to turn to him. But don't we want sin judge guys a lot of us are up in arms we want justice we want truth how can this continue to go on this is obviously wrong there's sin this is wrong we get undone about that woke up in the middle of the night and my brain's just swirling abortion really rubs me the wrong way guys i wake up and the first thing on my head is really we're going to appoint this guy that is so pro-abortion my heart's breaking how is this even allowed? Sonny and I were talking yesterday. I just can't believe how blind we are as a people. How is this okay? I don't get it, guys. That sin needs to be addressed. It needs to be taken care of. It needs to be judged. Killing babies is not right. But all of us standing before holy God, sin is sin. Yeah, that's bad. But you know that little white lie is sin still in the eyes of God? Sin is sin. We are all guilty, guys. And that's why we are so thankful that we have such a loving God that he was willing to come. You guys understand, that's what the Christmas season is about. It's all about Advent. He came to do what we couldn't do to save us from ourselves. Thank you that you love us and that you're that merciful. That gracious to give that gift all of yourself? To give us life, salvation, forgiveness of our sin? What a gift. And then we consider this, he's going to come back again. But when he comes back again, guys, he's going to finally lay down. (laughs) This, This is what you deserve. I gave you time to repent, to turn. You see, there's no escaping. Did you guys catch that? They're not going to escape. This should be sobering for us. A lot of us think, well, I deserve to escape. No, we're all guilty. None of us deserve to escape. And he linked it onto a pregnant woman with labor pains. And for you guys and gals who haven't had a child yet or been around in the birthing room, (laughs) Every time passages like this come up, it's just like, hey, having children now. I remember when Uriah, my firstborn, was born. I'm just like, oh, boy. <laughs> Look at what my wife Sunny has to go through. <laughs> this is horrible. I so badly wanted to take her place. But part of me was like so thankful I was born a man. At the same time, I was just like, wow, this is painful. This hurts, okay? Obviously, the labor pains are coming, and it's just going to get worse and worse until this child comes. So... With uh, uh, who had not made a decision, you know, for Jesus. The rapture's going to come. You're going to miss it. Do you guys know that we need to repent and put our faith in him? 
you don't want to miss when he comes for his church because things are going to get really ugly after that. And I'm not saying that to scare you guys. I'm saying that that's because of what the Bible says. And if the Bible is true, which I believe it is, um, prophecy is legit. Okay, all the things God has spoken has happened. And I believe what he says is yet future is actually going to happen the way he said it was going to happen. And when we consider the day of the Lord, I don't know if you guys understand that, but there's a whole lot of scriptures that come around that reality. 2,600 and something, some dude had the time to count them all. Over a couple thousand prophecies about Jesus' second coming. There were 310 specific ones concerning his first coming, but he speaks how many more times concerning his second coming. Do you think he maybe wants us to understand about the day of the Lord? Do you think maybe this is important stuff for us to actually cover together as believers? Absolutely. That's why God has put it in his word, and we are not to be ignorant of these things. So moving on to verses 4 and 5. That was a lot just in three verses. Do you guys know we could have talked a little longer just on those verses? But we got to move on this morning. Let's take a look at verses 4 and 5 here together. And this speaks of the sons of the day. It says, but you, brethren, so those of you who are believers, you're not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of the darkness. So when it says here, but you, okay, um, did you guys think that grammar, okay, English in school growing up um, was important when it comes to the he's and the, the, the she's, the pronouns that they would actually be important one day? Very much so. I'm not that great at English. That's why I married an English teacher. She helps me out sometimes. But <laughs> I'm so grateful, guys, that when we study the scriptures, understanding pronouns is so important. Well, the pronouns here are very clear because um, it talks about us, okay, believers, and then them. There's a distinction between them. And we need to understand that when we're studying the scriptures. So Paul never conceived uh, of the church remaining on earth during the time of wrath. Okay, He didn't think we would go through it. And that's why the rapture of the church is taught here. Um, so it will be sudden, guys, but we will not need uh, to be caught unaware. It's going to happen. If Jesus did come back today, it wouldn't take me by surprise. Okay, We are definitely living in the last of the last days. I see it biblically. Yeah. This is the next thing on the prophetic calendar. No surprise there. Thank you for coming. I'm, I'm glad. We need you to come back. Um, yeah. Another pronoun. This is a total side note, but I was thinking on this this last week. You guys know that we're going to be going through Genesis soon? One of the things that I love, and if we would grasp this as God's creation, is mankind, humankind, Every single one of you, me, have been made in the image of God. That's a noun. Do you guys understand that? Image of God bears all of us. That's our identity. And what if we actually looked at every single human being, no matter where they come from, who they are, what they've done, but you have worth. You are loved. Your identity, who you really are, 
You're made in the image of God. That's pretty cool. But oftentimes, guys, we want to make verbs our identity. I'm a fornicator. I'm an adulterer. I'm a homosexual. That now becomes my identity. No, those are verbs. Those are things we do. But our world, do you guys see how it's gotten so messed up? And because our thinking has gotten so messed up, we don't even understand who we are anymore. The truth is, we are made in the image of God, every single one of us. That's our identity. That's how we should live. Do you guys think the world would look a whole lot better and be a little more God-pleasing if we all chose to live the truth? Absolutely. So, there's a little side note. Back to this, verse 5. Check this out. We see here dark night, okay? Or day, night, and then dark and light. I want you guys to jot down Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. He, speaking of Jesus, has delivered us, okay? He's delivered us from the power of darkness. And he's conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son and his, or of his love. So that's what God has done for us as believers, okay? He has set us free. He's delivered us from the power of darkness, How are you going to see unless God removes those scales from your eyes? How many of you guys came to faith in Christ and it finally made sense? Like, oh boy, <laughs> I thought I knew what I thought was right. <laughs> but I put my faith in Jesus and whoa, something's happened. My eyes can finally see. Okay, light has come. And it's so cool. Uh, We don't have time. We'll talk about that when we get into Genesis. Just the reality of light. Do you guys know that there's so much light everywhere? God is light. Okay? And we only can perceive so much. Okay? We live in the darkness in part. (laughs) But it's when we come to faith in Christ, man, the lights go on. We're able to perceive more. But there is so much more for us to get and to see and to understand. And that's why we keep looking to Him, guys. So... Living for today, look at verse 6 here. It says, therefore, let us not sleep. Oh, Lord, I don't like your word sometimes. I like sleep. You guys ever feel that way when you're studying the word of God? Right? Therefore, he tells us not to sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, they sleep at night, and those who get drunk, they get drunk at night. In other words, good things don't happen at night, do they? Some of the things I most regret in life were just when I was up past when I should have been sleeping, okay? Uh, That's when we get in trouble. Verse 8, But let us who are of the day, believers, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith. Okay, doesn't this sound like Ephesians 6, right? In love and the helmet of hope of salvation, for God did not appoint us to wrath, okay? He's speaking here to who? To you, brother and sister, us who are believers in Jesus, we're not appointed to wrath. Now the tribulation is what? The wrath of God being poured out upon the planet. If we're not appointed to it, why would we go through it? Anyways, uh, but we're to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, we're told in verse 11 to comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing. So here's some down-to-earth advice for you and I on how to live in this present age. 
okay? To watch, be sober. It tells us here, let us not sleep as others do. I think that's a good word for you and I today. Uh, side note here, it's a different word if you actually look in the Greek than we saw in verse 4 for those who were sleeping in Christ or who had died in Christ, okay? Uh, it means here that those that don't have a careless indifference. Um, so Paul is really just prom- promoting for you and I, Christian, wakefulness. Be awake. <laughs> know what's going on. See what's going on. Drowsy Christians are drowning Christians. How many of you guys have read John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress? Phenomenal read. I'd encourage you guys uh, to take that in or read it with your families. But it tells us of Christian, and then there's another character, hopeful, right? They're journeying to that uh, celestial city. And he said, to prevent drowsiness in this place, let us fall into good discourse. So Christians who are isolated, okay, or they've chosen to isolate themselves, to walk alone, are very liable to grow drowsy, okay? It's teamwork. It's growing. It's living life together. You know, it can be done, uh, but it's a rarity to go it alone, guys. God hasn't called us to that. That's why fellowship, this is good this is needed we need each other so hold christian company find brothers and sisters to do life with and you will be kept wakeful by it and be refreshed and be encouraged and make quicker progress to the road to heaven okay it's one of the blessings i think about the youth ministry what a blessing for our young people to be able to have things, opportunities to fellowship, to do life together, to be praying for one another, to be learning about Jesus. And for you and I, I know this last year, it's looking different because of COVID. Some of our regular fellowshipping okay, has had to stop or it's on different platforms than we've had in the past. But moving forward, okay, how can we purpose to be in fellowship? to be able to stir one another on? Do we make that a priority? We need to, guys. Um, Also, um, keep your conversations on Jesus when we get together. It's a little side note I have here. Because some Christians I know, hey, all I do is fellowship. Awesome! You know, it's cool that you're always in fellowship. What did you do in fellowship last night? Oh, we watched this movie. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is when we come around Christ, when we are looking to him together. Does that make sense? Okay. When we're on mission together with him, when we're serving him together, when we're doing Christian life together, that's fellowship. And yeah, that can take place, you know, watching a movie. Hey, we're going to pause. Doesn't this remind you of, you know, (laughs) and you can bring Christ into it. You know, that's one thing that I love. It's just one of those things. It doesn't matter uh, who we're with, but we're with brothers and sisters. Fellowship should just be a part of our time together. It should be a very natural thing no matter what we're doing. So watching here, guys, is the opposite of indifference. It involves alertness. You see, the lion of persecution might not be a threat to us, but 
We are being hugged by the bear of this world. We are often comfortable in his warm, fuzzy arms, and he's slowly squeezing, and the church doesn't feel it. How have we grown more and more displacent? How have we become less and less impactful in our communities? What's going on? Romans 13.11 says, And do this, knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than we first believed. I love that verse. You guys believe that? We're closer today than we were yesterday. I believe we're getting really close, and we should be awake. Awake to what, guys? Eternal realities. Okay? Satan will use the temporal to get our eyes off the things that we're exhorting in Scripture to do is what? Set our mind on those things above. Eternal things. Well, God, that's all about you, and that's about what you're up to and your mission. That's what we should be about. Okay? And we need to wake up to that. Because we as a church, we're really good at giving ourselves to good things. <laughs> but my question all the time, is this a God thing? Does that make sense? Because there's a lot of good we can be doing. But at the end of the day, is this a God thing? Is this what you've asked God? Because we want to be on the page and we need to wake up to what he is doing. So that's where I want to be, amen? You guys feel that same? Where are you working, Jesus? <laughs> that's where I want to be hanging out. That's what I want to be a part of. So... we need to be sober, okay? It tells us to be watching. If you think about watching, that's more of a mental thing, isn't it? Okay? We got to actually think, engage. What is going on? And the sober part is more of a moral thing. So sober, no drunkenness, no self-indulgence, no emphasis, or emphasizes the need of stability and balance then as we view the Lord's return. So we need to take life seriously. You get one life. Do you take it seriously? That's one thing that's sure for each and every one of you. This is your one life. Reincarnation isn't real. Sorry to bust your bubble. You don't get another shot at this. This is it. And what you do between whenever, dash to whenever you die, (laughs) one life. Are you going to make it matter? Okay. I hope so. I want us to take it seriously. So reach out to people, love them, help them, offer salvation to them. God's made us relational. He cares about people. Okay? Get to know people. Love them. Draw them out. Share Jesus with them. Okay? What neighbor comes to mind? What family member? What coworker? Who can we serve? Who can we love? And then... Uh, we need to be alert and to be stable. So live your life in the light of this truth, guys. Okay? We need a stable influence. You guys like my little stable nativity scene here? I love it. It's a gift from the Smiths. They love me. And it says true story on there. I love it. Um, Gina is doing kids' church, and I think she gave a mission to our kids this last week. Yeah, I want you to count how many nativity scenes that you guys see out and about so I wanted to help my daughter win so I took her on special little trips and she got up to 29 okay 
And last night we went out because 29 is not good enough. We at least can find 50 nativity scenes. So we live in Kakana right here. And we took a little drive around last night. I thought maybe it'd take 10 minutes and stuff. We had to drive around for quite a while. My heart just began to grieve. I saw a lot of Christmas decorations. And I love Christmas lights. Okay? Because growing up, those were Jesus lights to us. People are celebrating Jesus. But I saw a lot of sleighs, a lot of snowmen, a lot of reindeers. It was kind of hard to find nativity scenes. My heart just began to break. Because he's the reason, guys. Christmas is all about Jesus. And there's so many of us in this life that we can go on about our business, doing our things, celebrating our holidays, and totally miss him in the midst of it all. So my prayer, and I hope your prayer, is that we're seeing people get saved. You know, driving around last night, I'm just praying. Praying, Lord, open their hearts. Open their eyes. Help them to see what Christmas is really about. So we sure like to make it about us, don't we? Sorry, I don't even know what I was talking about. Let's look at verse 9 here. It says, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of us feel like, well, I'm bound for hell. That's just who I am. Can't do anything about it. Might as well live that reality. That's not truth. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Yeah, Satan does want to utterly destroy you, kill you. That's what he wants to do. But Jesus came to save you to give you life that we would obtain salvation through him we can't save ourselves that's why religion is so tempting to so many people because they want to do what they can to be right but we can't i'm sorry this might bust your bubble this morning but you are not good enough to save yourself that is biblical truth there is one savior it is jesus christ and he is mighty to save and right here, guys, he wants us to obtain salvation through him. You guys can jump back if you want to to chapter 1, verse 10. It says there, and they speak of how you are looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. He alone. Tonight, Lance, you're going to be teaching the youth group chapter 3. This is a bonus for you, verse 10. Because you have kept my word to preserve, or he commanded and to preserve, I also will keep you from the hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world to, thus, to those who dwell on the earth. Okay? God wants to save us from this wrath. We are not appointed to it because as Christians, we are in him. So this word appoint here, it's to place or to destine, okay? Not as strong as predestination, but it clearly rests on salvation of divine initiative. You guys understand that? When Titus 2.11 says the grace of God has appeared to all men, when we pick up the Gospel of John and we read in chapters 14 and 16 how the Holy Spirit today is working in the affairs of man, that he is convicting the world of sin and of righteousness. That's all people, guys. That's what he's doing. He's convincing us of truth. So God is initiating. 
So right now, have or you have been appointed either to wrath or to salvation. It's one or the other. Believers, I want you guys to listen up here. We get to rest in our hope of salvation. Doesn't that bring great peace? Joy? For me, it does. Because he's done it. It's not on me. It's on him. He's done it. And guess what? He's faithful. He did it. He's victorious. Okay? This is no joke. God is Savior. And he saved me. So, salvation. We have it because it's appointed. And unbelievers, I want you to listen up here. No worries. You get to continue on your course. That's the sad part. That's your choice. God chose you. Are you going to choose him? That's what it comes down to. How does a person get saved? Well, they choose to put their faith in Christ. Or you choose to reject him. It's that simple, guys. We're not saved by any works. We're saved because of Jesus. And if you want to continue on in your sin and on forgiveness, that's your choice. God is not going to appoint you to be one of his if you reject him. But he loves you. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you want to be a so whoever? I am. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would call upon him shall be saved. Isn't that cool? I love the gospel. It's that simple. And this is the hope we get to say, share with the world, guys. So when Paul talks in verse 10, um, keep the cross essential to the gospel, okay? Um, I love that we have a big cross out front of our building. I think that speaks volumes to our community. Yep, that's important. Jesus really did die on that cross. And he rose from the dead. You see, it's the central point in the gospel. Who died for us, guys. So we should live together with him, right? If you look at verse uh, 17 back in chapter 4, it says, Then we who will alive and remain shall be caught up. Okay, the rapture together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. That's the point, to always be with him. And I look forward to that day. I look forward to things. I'm kind of looking forward to Christmas this year. It's been kind of a hard year. I'm looking forward to my wife not being at school working, to have a week with her and the family. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. But I can honestly tell you, I look forward way more to the coming of Jesus Christ. I can't wait to see him finally face to face, to forever be with him. That's exciting, guys. We've been made for him to have fellowship with him, to enjoy him. And we do that in part right now, but isn't it going to be fun to be able to do that fully? It's going to be so cool. I can't wait. So we're told then, verse 11, comfort and edify. Again, these are words of comfort to encourage that's one thing that I love about this letter. How many of you guys have been enjoying 1 Thessalonians? There's just, this is jam-packed with a lot of good truth. Encouraging truth for us as believers. So we get to edify, build up one another. Sometimes, well, I want to be that Christian brother or sister that encourages, that builds up the other saints. You do that by sharing the word of God, guys. 
edify. I feel privileged. That's a part of what I get to do as your pastor. I get to edify. And it's not because Landon has fun stories to share. No, it's because we're in the word of God that encourages us. It's these truths that are going to build up our faith, guys. Looking for Jesus Christ is key for the believer. Well, Landon, it sure sounds like we've talked a lot about the coming of the Lord this last year. Again, guys, because it's all over the Bible, (laughs) God wants us to get this, to understand this. This is important. Because when we are looking for his coming, it puts everything else into perspective. What really matters? Well, the Lord's coming back soon. And I have friends that don't know him. They need to hear. We need to share. We need to love. We need to be on mission with him. Because again, our life is short, guys. It's but a vapor. It matters. So he climbs higher who helps another up. So we're exhorted, guys, to wait patiently, wakefully, watchfully, soberly, with faith, hope, love, comfort, and edify one another. I want to start wrapping things up. We're going to partake in communion in a moment together. But I want to share with you again from the prophet Joel. Chapter 3, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Okay, Determined doom is what he's speaking about there. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Or decision valley. You see, the early church lived in a very dynamic tension regarding Christ's return. They awakened each day to these dual thrills in their heart. Jesus will probably come today. And if he doesn't, that's okay because we get to go and share Jesus with other people and they might come to faith in him. So when he does come back, they will also get to go with him. Does that get you guys excited? I wish the church would live a little more like the first early century church lived in that earnest expectation. Today could be the day. But if not, great. Because I get to share with others that they might be saved too today. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love towards us. We're thankful that we can come to the table together. I thank you for the faith that is shared amongst these brothers and sisters here and many who are watching today. Online, I think about the many millions of believers that there are all around the world. God, we are most blessed. You've given us such a hope, not wishful thinking. It is so sure, Lord. I thank you, God, for your Holy Spirit that's been given to us, Lord, and uh, just confirms these things are true. God, and I would want to pray and ask of you today. I know. There may be those who've tuned in or are here now who've listened to your word, God, and they don't know where they stand before you. I love that as we read that today is the day of salvation, God, that you desire none to perish, but that you're the one that's mighty to save, that any one of these could cry out to you right now and ask for forgiveness of sins and put their faith in you and 
that you would save them. You are such a good and compassionate God. We're so thankful for your love towards us. God, and we want to love you back. We want to love others as you've asked us to do. So we pray as we keep looking to you, God, and keep trusting and obeying, Father, that your will would be done in our lives, please. Asking your name. Amen. All right. I'd like to take a look at chapter 13 of Romans with you guys. There's another exhortation that we find in verses 11 to 14. Again, this is the Apostle Paul writing. And he says, And do this, knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. and Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. So, we're exhorted here once again to walk circumspectly, consistently, contendently, carefully, compassionately, congregationally. You see, Jesus is planning a surprise return. I'm excited about that. He's coming for his church. So, brother and sister, be rapture ready, be alert. Be awake. Be sober. Your destiny is to live with Jesus forever. I think that's pretty cool. And you can start fulfilling that destiny today. That's the beauty of who he is in his grace, his gift of eternal life. I love it. So if you guys would stand with me, I'd love to pray one more time. So, Father, we are thankful for this time together once again. We never want to take it for granted. It is a gift that you've given to this uh, local church here in Kakana. And I know that we have brothers and sisters who have come from all over to gather together in your name. And we thank you for the gift of fellowship. We thank you for the brothers and sisters, God. Uh, that just call Freedom Fellowship their home. I know many are at home watching today. We pray for each and every one of us that we would be encouraged today in the faith, that you would keep building us up, that we'd be able to love each other and serve one another. And I pray that you'd bless these guys, that you'd make your face shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, lift up your countenance upon them and give them peace this season, for you are that Prince of Peace. God, we are so thankful that you came into this world 2,000 years ago. We thank you for the reality of the Christmas season. I pray that we would live that out daily, but also hold to that tension, Father, knowing that you're going to come back again. And we pray that you'd come quickly, Lord Jesus. This world needs you. God, so help us, Father, to uh, just be good light and salt for you, to do our part, to be led by your Spirit. So please, Father, uh, help us to be sensitive to your leading. We ask in your name. Amen.